Hello, I'm Joss Stone. Thanks for joining me for a cup of happy. I spent the last few years singing my songs in every country in the world and been lucky enough to meet incredible people from all walks of life. What really struck me is that no matter where we are, we're all on the same mission. We're all just trying to find our version of happy. So with this podcast, I'm going to be speaking to a whole host of people to dig deeper into the what, why, and how of this emotion we call happiness. I hope that with these conversations, you discover something to help you on your own quest for happiness, possibly change your mind on a few things, and along the way, share a good old laugh with me and my guests. Before we jump into the conversation, I just want to tell you about another podcast that I think you're going to love. It's called The Art of Happiness, hosted by the lovely Arthur Brooks. You might remember him from the last series. We had him on as a guest for one of my favourite episodes. Truly, truly, it is one of my favourites. I keep going back to it for little gems of help (laughs) in life. His podcast taps into the wealth of happiness research to teach us how to live life with more joy, satisfaction and purpose. So I highly recommend you listen and subscribe to The Art of Happiness immediately. Now, on to today's guest. Quite a unique one. He's a multi-platinum award-winning singer-songwriter who's an absolute legend of reggae. As you'll soon find out, he's also so much more. We talk about his time in the Marines, his relationships and the challenges he overcame to become the man he is today. He's currently writing a Christmas album and I'm so happy to say that he's let me feature on one of the songs. So look out for that. It's really fun. Right then, without further ado, here he is, Shaggy. Hello, Shaggy. It's nice to meet you in this way. <laughs> in this Again, way. I know we yeah. met in, at K-West, but it was so short. It was a short one, yeah. uh, and uh, but it was cool. You know, yeah. it was a cool little vibe. Oh, you have your of... little Jamaican flag in the back. No, this is, yeah, this is my this is my studio. This room is where I have made every single hit record of I've I've ever done. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Which I'm actually selling it now. <laughs> <gasps> no. <laughs> Yeah, How do you feel about that? It's time. Really? It's time. It's oh, it's emotional, it's... though. I can't even sell the house I was brought up in, and I don't even want to be there. I'm not a guy that really <laughs> buys into um, sentiments like that, though. Right, right. So for me, it, it, it wasn't an issue. It's like, all right, let's get it. Let's get it done. You can make music anywhere. It doesn't matter what studio it you're in. It doesn't matter. But it just right. is a bit crazy that every single thing you've done has been in that room. Yeah, I've done... Well, almost. I didn't do all Carolina here because I didn't have the money to buy the spot then. Right. <laughs> right, yeah, different and, time. Yeah, I didn't do all Carolina. I didn't do um, Mr. Boombastic was done with another studio called... Um, That's my favorite one. Yeah, oh, thank you. It's been a crazy journey. You know, I'm 52 years old now and find myself doing some amazing things and enjoying things. And I just needed... And I've had new people. I think, you know, what makes you last for 30 years and still go is to have your pulse on what's going on and and the way to do that is to have young teachers mm. ah yeah you need young nice. teachers and and so i surround mm. myself really young because if i'm talking about what's on the street i'm really not on the streets to know what's on the streets you know mm-hmm. what I mean? i'm not living that life you know right. what I mean? they also need my guidance because their dream is to have of course you know, they do yeah they probably fi- look up to yeah. you a lot yeah, 50 million sales and, and 30 year career. They want that and Grammys and all that shit. Do you think that's possible so now? You. The sales thing with, um, with um, the way records are sold? 
I think everything goes in a cycle. There was a part in our time back when there was some really shitty music. Yeah. You know, and then it, it went back into being some really nice music. And, you know, you've seen these changes. Um, I think there's been a lot of shitty music. You know? It's all perspective, isn't it? Some people but like that mumble stuff. What do you exactly. reckon on the mumble stuff? Exactly. It's 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 all in perspective. For you and yeah. I who are musicians and really have a keen ear and thing, mm. that might not, it, it might take a minute to go in, get into that. But I put myself into the position to get into it because these young people are really into it. And then, and if you get past some of how they say it, there's some really deep shit there. You know yeah. what I'm saying? There's some really amazing stuff. I, I I remember it's no different than if you listen to your singer, if you listen to mm. Tony Braxton or um, mm. what's her name? There's there's a lot of people who used to sing, but they'd they'd mumble some of the words. Oh yeah. But Do you know what? Even Aretha Franklin, exactly. she used to say things, and it was all smush. Yeah. And I, I used to think it was one word, and it was actually another. Exactly. Um, she used to say "show" instead of "soul." There's one really popular song of hers. Yeah. It was like, um, "My soul was in the lost and found" is the lyric. And I, as a little girl, used to sing it as "My show was in the yeah. lost and found" because of the way that she was. Sh- yeah. You know, so I guess it's just that, but like it, yeah. extreme. Extreme. <laughs> it's, it's, the same, it's, it's the same. Because when you peel away back from all of that stuff, you get into a, you get into a vibe where um, there's a heart there. There's yeah, a person and an emotion. A person and yeah. an emotion and and melodies and you know, I tell you what, a lot of what these guys are doing, even hip hop now, is which is the leading genre that's really taking the place. Those guys are doing very melodic stuff. I mean, it's funny how it switches because back in my time, rock metal rock and rock and even soft rock were what was the big money makers you know what i mean those are the mm-hmm. guys that were making top dollar you yeah. know in in the game you know and that's who the record companies invested that's what radio was playing and it is so switched now because if you look at it now hip-hop is what radio is playing and and they those are the guys that are making the top dollar and they look they look like the rockers. They're just black. Oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> like the style and yeah, I mean, the you clothes look at, they're wearing and if stuff. You look you mean? At, yeah, if you look at you know uh, Gunner or uh, or any of these guys or mm. Lil Wayne, they just look like black rock stars. They got the mm. tattoos. They got the, 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 the you know when you used to have all these fucking uh, sprayed hair and you know their shit mm. is just in dreads and colors and and I mean and it's just yeah, it's, it's just fun. funny how it all changes around. And what was so unique was. If you think about back in the days when most big rock groups were making serious money, you know what I mean? Yeah. Take, for instance, these guys might have made a million dollars a show, two million a show, whatever they, what it is. Oh, it my would, gosh. It would, take, it would take a black Damn. act to make the type of money that those guys, it would take, you'd have to be of genius level. Like, if the guys who were making that were like Prince and Michael Jackson and, and Stevie Wonder and, and, and Lionel Richie, genius guys. You know, and if you look at, and that's how it's been it kind of suppressed over the years, you know what I mean? Because it, it race has also played a part of everything, you know, yeah, coming right. coming back to what it is. So it's it's amazing to watch the the changes and how, it, how things move around. Right. So as far as the music industry goes, and mm-hmm. whether it's hip hop or rock or whatever it is, whether you're black or you're white or you're making millions, what is the most happy making thing in this industry? Well, I think it first boils down to you got to figure out why you're into music. Yep. Like I'm into music 
because really it's the only thing I do well. You know, I, you don't want to see me kick a ball. It's pathetic. You know, it's, I'm it's, sure you do a lot of things yeah, well, love. No, nah, nah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm an, I was an average student in school. I, I can't kick a fucking right. ball, but I could make melodies. And I realized that I have a knack for making melodies and I have a knack for spitting. And I was in Erasmus Hall in Brooklyn, which is the second oldest high school, uh, second oldest high school in, in the United States. And it was an academy of the arts. And mm-hmm. I realized when I go in, they used to have these cliques in the lunchroom, like the Panamanian cliques, the Jamaican cliques. Or whatever. And I'll go to one of these cliques and I would spit lyrics. And I realized when I spit lyrics, I got attention and I'd get the girl's number. And 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 and, and I was like, yo, you know, and I realized <laughs> that I, then I started making little ghetto records. You know, just little hood records. And, and then I realized I got into the clubs for free and I drank for free and I got out with the hottest chick. You know, Isn't it funny it. how music can do that? It, it can make everyone that. feel happy around you. And they're yeah. like, hey, come in, have a free yeah. drink. Oh, exactly. you, you make it, noises? It makes that. Oh, I, I see. So yeah. <laughs> I, I learned pretty early on what I wanted so to do. Funny. And and if you got to figure out what is it. So for me, it is for the love of it's it's that feeling that I get from it. Mm. You know, that's why I do it. And you do it selfishly. Like I make records selfishly. Okay. I make them. For you. Yeah. So that I like them first. Yeah. And if if it connects with people, it does. But I got to be, because there's nobody going to get bored of me before me. (laughs) That's true. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be bored of me before me. You know what I'm saying? It's just like. You know, when people are like, oh, my God, you're great. I'm like, oh, OK, I'm sick of that song. I'm on to the next shit. You know what mm-hmm, I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, I, and if I do my show, I'm going to do switch it up a little way because I just mm-hmm. I get bored. You know yeah. what I mean? So you, you know, got to know where it's from. Musicians right now are obviously struggling because of the, the virus mm-hmm. is not allowing us to have those moments where lots of people come together. Mm-hmm. But music is still with us. You're still in the studio. You're still writing. You're still having yeah. those musical creative moments. Um, but I think it's really difficult for people at the moment that just want to play. What would you say to people that are struggling with that? I struggle with that because I, this, the crazy part is I didn't get into music for the creative side of things. Oh, interesting. Right? Like I write songs and I obviously do them well because I get big hit records. Right. But I don't enjoy it. You know, for me to sit down and... and I'll sit here and I'll pen these records. And it's I'll, work for you that the, the yeah, creative process it's, is work. It's work. I'm not. I'm not. You know, it's sometimes. And so I tend to start writing. I used to start after a while. I started writing with other people just so it could be something I could laugh on because I like to drink and laugh and run Have jokes and, and talk yeah. shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And so I started to talk, write with like three or four people in there just to you know get get an energy. But mm-hmm. then you, that goes in a whole other situation. Everybody's sitting down there. Well, you know, I wrote this and I this and I that. And then <laughs> they were like, I was set. drinking a beer in the corner. I want 20%. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right. I mean, you never written a fucking hot record before this shit. So, oh, no. hello, the reason is, and the you know, it, that's another drama. Oh, and I just, yeah. I got tired of that. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, so I get it. I got to go back to just doing it out of my fucking head mm-hmm. uh, and just, you know, doing, and it's tedious and sucks. And I'm finding myself doing a lot more of that now. More than ever. I put three albums out this year. One is the Christmas reggae album, which you're on, and thank you. But yes, that's I love that so much. That song. Yeah. I was listening great... to it before our little chat this morning. It's put me in a really good mood. <laughs> such I'm a, sweet... a bit Christmas obsessed. It's so sweet because <laughs> I in obviously the melody that you got, but you twist that melody so many so it's such a way I was like, Oh shit. I never expected she would do this, so I had to go back in and change the production. Oh and really? I, and I went and I went <laughs> and I got Dave. I went Dave uh, from um, 
a, a bass player that is Sly and Robbie's, yeah, uh, yeah. you nice. know, uh, protege, and he plays my bass because Robbie was the one that says, Shaggy, I got your bass player. That's him. Right. Anyway, Robbie's a really, really, really close guy to me. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I said, Dave, I want you to, you know, to counter this, just to, to enhance this. And he listened to you and he says, yo, she really went to some jazz notes there. That's really. Oh, I'm did like, I? I'm like, yeah. Ooh. And then cool. he, just, he just went ahead and just kind of <laughs> go with it. And then, then it came out brilliant. I was like, oh, shit, this is oh, so fly. Good. I think and, people yeah. are going to love that album. It's nice it's to have like a happy kind of reggae vibe in any in any scenario i think well, i've been well, playing yeah. reggae to my belly my little baby i know because you're she's been listening now. yes yeah so i i figured i've got these little baby buds that's what they're called you just got them off at amazon yeah. they're tiny little headphones that stick on there and you put them on there and yeah. you put them on there and you play the song whatever you choose yeah. and i was like whoa oh i've heard that classical is really good it helps them get like intelligent yeah and i thought no no reggae's the vibe man reggae brings happiness it brings well, smiles to people's faces so that's what i'm that's what i'm doing a, pumping a, it in there apart from you um and first of all congratulations on, Thank on, you. on ebay because remember that when we when i asked you to do this record yeah. you just found out i just found out yeah <laughs> i was so, so happy <laughs> yeah so uh, this is it was perfect timing yeah but one great. of the reasons for rocking with you on this is um I have two guest people on this album, which is mm. you and Neo, that are not Jamaicans. You know? Oh, yay. Neo, and, I love him. And Neo mm. is a guy that's always in Jamaica, just constantly right. there. Mm. It's a beautiful place. And um, and and the next person is you because you are always you you've been there and and yep, love and, and love it there. And then mm -hmm. you you also have an affiliation with reggae because you had a reggae album which you won a Grammy for, which I thought it was great and just how you embraced it and how you fused it, you know, was, was. Reggae is a big thing in England. I think, it I don't is. know. I mean, I know you know that, it but is. It is. that can it come is. a surprise to people, but it's a really big part of the culture. Well, you know what? Take for instance, a friend of mine, Sting, who him mm. and I did this whole album together. And Sting says to me that in his early times, what he used to do, he used to listen to Family Man from Bob Marley and Steel mm -hmm. Pulse and these guys. And he went back and created what was a hybrid sound of reggae. Yeah. That hybrid sound that he was doing ended up becoming the sound of the police. Right. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So it was that all influenced from it. And then he ended up writing all of those songs from Every Breath You Take to Everything She Does Is Magic, King of Pain. All of these records were done at Golden Eye in Jamaica. Wow. So it's a magical place. It's always had this kind of a effect. And if you think about Jamaica, this little island of about three million people and, and, and the impact it has had on on global culture yeah um it's pretty it's, it's, it's pretty impressive yeah so. yeah it's it's everywhere um i wanted to chat with you about the marines because i didn't mm -hmm. know you were a marine until very I recently yeah. um <laughs> and this whole podcast is always i mean it really is about like state of mind and mm -hmm. um and happiness it's very zen <laughs> we try to be zen we may drop a few f-bombs every now and then yeah, but you know we give zen. it a go <laughs> <laughs> you know, Zen is good, isn't it? But zen also sometimes I think too much Zen. Well, it puts you in a bubble. Yeah, it puts you in a bubble it and it makes bubble. people sometimes too much Zen is, um, what's the word? What's the word? It's too like soft. So then you can be easily hurt by something that is actually not that hurtful if you've prepared yourself for it, which is why I want to talk to you about like boot camp. Yeah, and yeah. and that whole experience because I think that prepares you for life in a more of a hardcore way. 
Well, you could get into Zen to where you just don't give a fuck. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> there is that. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Just don't yeah. just don't care. Yeah, just don't care what you know, you're not you're not that important. <laughs> you you know, it's crazy oh people god. get lost into uh the internet can be so cruel and people always read these comments on their their page and yeah, I'm like Yeah, people can but, be mean. And mm. they're mean. I'm like, but these people have not accomplished half of what so why do they fucking Yeah, why does it matter? Why does it matter? Why why did it count? Mm. It comes with a whole discipline that you got to have and a mm. self-confidence. And what the military taught me was mm -hmm. self-confidence. What what I learned from the military, I didn't go to the Marines to learn how to fire a gun. I was already selling weed in Flatbush and right. hanging hanging with all the wrong people. I'm Jamaican, for God's sake. I, you know, I hang with, you know, all the gangsters and shit when I came to. You were already Brooklyn. in your own little war zone. Yeah. I mean, you know, I came from, you know, a place called uh, Raytown in, in downtown Kingston. So. Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't teach me to fire a gun or, or or any of that. The military taught me to balance my checkbook. Right. Funny enough, you know, it. there was inspections. It taught me to clean my quarters. And the guy comes in with a white kerchief. It taught me to fold my, make my bed and fold my white for an eight-inch or six-inch right. fold of white. And it's these things discipline. that... Discipline. The discipline. And, and, and I live like that to this day. I'm a guy that don't like clutter. I don't like... Mm. Everything has to, to be super minimal for me. I don't go for things that I like. It's, it's a need situation more so than just like, you know, well, I at one point I used to have like, you know, 20 cars. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing with 20 cars? I can't drive but one at a time. <laughs> right. You know? And now I just, I think I have one car right now. That's, that's, that's it. Yeah, that's good. And, you only and, really need one. You only I'd need say. one. And as you go down yeah. the line, you start to get older and start to realize. But but you're a ghetto motherfucker. So at the end of the day, you know, you never had a pool. So I bought mm -hmm. a house and built a big pool and I spent like 100 grand building the pool and realized, wow. oh, shit, I can't swim. You know? <laughs> no, you didn't. Then you start to realize, but that's what ghetto motherfuckers do because you come from shit. You ain't come right. from nothing, so you just want something to say, I have. Yeah, something you know? that represents your success. Exactly. That makes you feel I've achieved something. Exactly. So mm -hmm. after a while, you start that gets old and you start to realize, but, you know, and it's funny enough that um, going, you go, people come into your life for different reasons. When Sting came into my life, it was a different thing where he came into my life at the time to make me realize something. I would walk into a restaurant with him and he would be in a real old t-shirt, a real fucked up pair of jeans and his little slides on and everybody would go fucking crazy. Oh my God, that's thing. Oh my God. I mean, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, yo, that's what you, it is supposed to be. It's like you have a car with rims and the rims, are, and the rims are so shiny. You see the rims and not the car. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like he has made me realize that let them see you. Who you not, are. Not everything else that surrounds you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because that could go away tomorrow. And you're still left with right. you. Which is you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So the military was one of those, those places that gives you that confidence. Everything about How what old you were you when you when you went in there? Oh, I think I was Young, like right? 18. Yeah. 18. 18. I think about these little 18-year-old lads. And they're so young. And you yeah. see pictures of them. I think, my God. The stories <laughs> that Cody's told me about it. I just think that sounds awful. Like no mother would want their kids to go into boot camp and be treated in that way. Um, but you I, know, would, I would, I would personally want all. You my would, kids. yeah. yeah uh, he says the, the same. The only, the only thing I do not like, yeah, uh, uh, is that at any minute you got these really senseless leaders yeah. who are in charge of you mm -hmm. and who will have egos and put sure. you in the line of fire 
over ego. Mm. You know, I bet uh, that happens often. Oh, absolutely. There's friends that they die because they're fighting battles because you have some some leader that decides that's that they shouldn't be fighting. Yeah, right. Well, it, mm. it should be war. Should be or battle or calling on people's tr- on troops should mm. be the absolutely last resort. Yeah. You know, when we did the Gulf War, they said, "Hey, you know, it was a low casualty war." But one mom, one child from a mom or dad is high casualty. You know what I'm saying? So uh, you couldn't be bragging about that. And so no. putting your ch- your child, but there's other ways to do it. There's other schools that you could put your kids that got that same situation where it's about really hard discipline mm. and any rank structure. And then you come out and you're in, it's almost like finishing school. <laughs> yeah, right. There's a real purpose to it, I think. Yeah. You know, yeah. but um, I spoke to some chaps in in Somalia. They were running a charity called Halo, where mm-hmm. they would look for, I guess, bombs that haven't gone off. Yeah, there's millions upon millions upon yeah. millions of them all over the world. Kids were losing their legs and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, they yeah, want, and there's there's no war that. there anymore. But they're like, okay, well, just because there's no war on this field doesn't mean there's no bombs in the field. Yeah, so they um they work that and they try to kind of clear it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked the guy. These two chaps were English. And I said, you know, you joined the forces, you know, because you wanted to fight for your queen and country and protect people and all this. And they were like, no, no, we didn't. I said, yes, you did. Because I have my fairy tale view of it. Right. I want it to be because of that. And they were like, no, it's we joined because we wanted to get out of the class system that we were in. Exactly. And these, these lads were English, so it's different. But exactly. they were like, we're in a lower class. We wanted to be in a higher class. So we joined and we want to get paid. I'm like, wow, that's not what I thought. Well, the thing is, it's a rank structure. I, I got into it because I was in Brooklyn at the time and I was just mm-hmm. hanging with the wrong people. You know, okay. I was hanging with all the gangsters. It's a life everything. changer, isn't it? Yeah. And then at that point, you know, I'm from a, I, what's so beautiful about me? I'm the only person in my family ever done mu- music, and oh. and I have been able to change the cycle of my family. Okay, um, nice. From being people who were living in tenement yards, and I've actually bought homes and got my family out of that tenement yard and put yeah. them in. Now my uncles, they'll that's probably, a huge thing. Yeah, they'll probably never see you know, any other life, you know, they're not going to have super huge success or a career because they're just older people right now. But they live in a home that, you know, they're having a better quality of life. But their daughters Good. and their kids now have opportunities. One of my niece recently just got into Princeton and she was oh, the wow. and she got in on a full scholarship and she was the first person in my whole family to go to college. I have another niece now that's going that's on another scholarship, which is a she's on an athletics scholarship. So wow. the, so what this did was help me change a cycle because Coach. now I've tasted this success and I've done this. So in, the, in being in, going in the military, I saw guys that I was doing really crazy things with yeah. that, you know, I was smart enough to know that if I step, if they step in the hole and, and hurt their leg, I should step over the hole. So, I, you know, it got really quick to me. I was like, OK, I got to get out of Brooklyn. I got to get out of here. Okay. And I just walked down to the. The, the recruiting office and walked in an office. I didn't know anything about the Marines or anything. I saw a couple of uniforms. I look at the Marine uniforms. I say, well, I could get laid in that. 
<laughs> no, Shaggy. Science. That's not why. Tell me, that's not. Why. I, I was like, yeah, because men, because the, the army, the army <laughs> uniform looks like shit. The you know the, the the air force uniform had this blouse that looked like, yeah, you know, and then you got bell bottoms in the in the navy. Who the fuck wants to walk around with bell bottoms? You know what I'm saying? And the marine was like that, that uniform was slick. I was like, yo, and and then I found out that there was the first to to battle the, the toughies. Yeah. yeah, and then I went in, and then it was really hard. I was like, "What the fuck was I thinking?" And yeah, why did I do this? <laughs> why did I do this? It's like, and then I was in, but then I, the, the platoon started at like about 150 people, and mm-hmm. it when we graduated it was like 60, so it was like a lot of people that oh, just didn't. Oh, they make, dropped yeah. out. Yeah, because it's it's really hard training. It's really hard. But, yeah. And I was just determined. I was the only Jamaican in there, and they picked on me. It was like, "Hey, Jamaican man, you're rolling up and smoke it." <laughs> Oh no! And it would fuck it with me the whole time, but I got <laughs> I ended up passing, and and I, I I realized earlier just being in the military that I it wasn't something I was going to do for the rest of my life. Okay. But I knew I had but to finish it. But it kind of helped shape the way that you are, in your meticulous ways, or were oh, you meticulous it told, before? It to, no, it, it the military totally prepared me for what it is, and because I was in, I, it's okay. so weird because I was in dance hall, and. Dancehall and reggae in 1993 when I started was not played on radio. You know, it was not. Big. Was it not? Yeah, you, you didn't. It wasn't the music that got added to like Radio One. It just. Didn't oh well, happen. thank God that changed because you know? we and, needed a bit of that in right, our lives. Right, especially dancehall, and so yeah. well, Carolina was actually the first dancehall number one to go to go number one in the British chart. Was it? And then Mr. Boombastic, when I followed it up with Mr. Boombastic, that was the first dancehall or reggae to ever debut at number one wow you and, must be so proud of right. that and then we did it again with angel and wasn't me both of those debuted at number one including the hot shot album so so, uh, a lot so of you went from i'm just trying to understand how did this happen in your life because you've decided you've made some really big decisions that mm. have taken you through like kind of hell and high water a little bit and you just decided right i'm i'm gonna put out this record like what what took you from living in Kingston to living in Brooklyn to being in the Marines to then putting out these massive hit records? Like there, there's something missing there. Like how the hell did that happen? Well, I, 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 my mother, I was a single parent um, child. So my mother comes from Kingston. She went to the, U, to the U.S. Does she, oh, so she lives in the U.S. now? Yeah, she okay. went to the U.S. and she, she actually filed for me and brought me to the United States. It was a culture oh, shock. Okay. I didn't understand what the fuck was going on. So why did she want to move to the U.S.? For a better life. It's, it's right. you know, she was a, she was a journalist at, at the Gleena Company, which is the major uh, newspaper, and she just wanted a better life. So she right. wanted to come, and she went up to visit some families and was in the U.S. illegal for a while, and she worked right. multiple jobs and went ahead and got her citizenship, and then she Good for her. her only son, and I came And up. she did that on her own? She on didn't have, your dad oh, wasn't around? No, nah, my dad, I've, I've never been around. I met my dad when I was like, 13 for the first time and oh wow is unique i take care of him now he's you know but oh that's I, nice that's good of you being that he kind of dipped out for the first 13 years i couldn't aren't, blame aren't him. you good my mom is not an easy person to get along with either so I, <laughs> I oh i wanted that. to talk to you about your mom i've <laughs> I i've heard you chat either. about her <laughs> sounds like she's an interesting character herself but i mean she sounds like a very strong character you know what it's it's it she's a very strong character but she's mm. also it's ghetto. A guy told me years ago that ghetto means get out. Oh. 
you know, so you're not, you don't glorify the ghetto to say, okay, this is where you want to be. It's really where you want to come out of. Okay. And you yeah. want to take the lessons of the ghettos that you grew up from. And she was a person that didn't have a lot of opportunities and she was verbally abused and mentally abused. And it's just... You know, By her parents? Yeah, parents. And because it's just ghetto life, you know, it's... Take, for instance, me being in the school. I remember being slapped in front of my friends for, you know, sculling class and not doing some shit, whatever the fuck it is. Right. And she just would just smack me the fuck in front of people. You know? Oh, she would smack you yeah, in front just, of your friends. Yeah. And, oh, and it God. was and it was it was normal shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Standard. Standard ghetto yeah. shit. You know, what I mean, what are you doing here, boy? And they whoop your ass. They take, you know, oh, yeah. go, get, go get the belt. You know what I mean? Yeah, back back then I think it, that was more accepted. Now you'd be social services would come around and you'd be in trouble. Exactly. So for you, you'd look mm. at that as oh, they say it's discipline. I call that abuse. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's I not cannot. Nice. My I have five children. I got three daughters right now. Right. My three girls. I could not even see myself yelling at them in front of their friends. No, it would, you respect it, them. But it would it would traumatize them to a point that they, they'll probably live with that for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. That was happening to her on a daily basis because that was just the norm in the game. Yeah, so she's repeated it. All right. And then she had repeated it on me. And then I was like, oh, yo, but this can't be. You know what I'm saying? So it got to a point. And then I started to go around people who see that people live different and they didn't yell at theirs and they didn't this. And I started going outside of the box. You cannot have growth unless you go outside of your comfort zone. So mm -hmm. my comfort zone was the abuse and being smacked and being shit. And just, it's just my norm. I went outside of that. I started hanging with kids that had moms that sit at the, the table and had knife and forks and they say prayers and they have conversation. I was and like, you wow, thought, this, this is some, nice. This is some, this some new shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let's try this. Let's try this. And then, so mm. when I started to learn this and I have to start to make my own family, I mm. wanted to go to this. And she's looking at me as like, what the fuck are you doing? This is, these kids are going to be soft. And I'm like, nah, but this is oh, my house I now. See. This is my life. This yeah. is me. And it was hard for her to grasp that as her only son. This is like, she doesn't have control of that. Yeah, of course. And, and so that's where the clash comes from because she cannot. It's control. hard because she's kind of losing her son a bit. He's turning into right. And I'm and and, I, and and it's not like she, I have siblings. You know, what I mean, it's all me. So oh. I am. So her not controlling the only person that is hers mm. becomes difficult. So she's gonna hate your wife. She's gonna hate your kids. She's gonna hate everything. Yeah. And and then you're gonna be controlling all of that. So that became. Apart now, as you know, I've now we're on speaking terms now, and we're great. And you know, and how have you got it. through it? Did you have to, I don't know, go through a process with her? Because I know lots of people go through this. It'd be nice for people to kind of hear how you managed to. I didn't handle it the the, the right way. I'm also a guy that's been. I'm also fucked up from then. You know what I mean? So yeah. for me, it's block you out and fuck off. You know what I mean? Oh, and, okay. That's your method. That's my method, and it's not right. the right method. But that's the only way I know because. That's how you've been raised, you know, because she's mm -hmm. that type of person. Oh, I ain't talking to you. Fuck you. Lock off my phone. I ain't talking to you for the next, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And it's then, simpler. And then you start growing. It's simpler. But, what but it, it doesn't does, always, it's not it always the right thing. It. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't it, heal anything. It's, yeah. It just sweeps it under the rug, you mm -hmm. know. And so you got to get to that point now where you start to adjust, address it. Mm -hmm. And it takes conversation. And it takes uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. And that's why I say there cannot be growth unless you are comfortable outside of your comfort zone in anything that you do. ACAST recommends LGBTQ plus creators who are making an impact this month and beyond. Tune in for your new favorite show. 
Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle. And we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like Below Deck, Love is Blind, and TLC's big messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. Okay, please tell me y'all are watching this new season of 90 Day with Bilal, Emily, Mohammed. It's the messy season yet. And you know you need your gay besties to talk about all the drama and cringe jam-packed into every episode. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gays wherever you get your podcast. Reality Gays, let's blow. Because if you if you're in your comfort zone, you're not growing. You're just in this you're you're a hamster in a wheel. It's the same thing. And you got to put yourself outside of that and get yourself around new people, different people that bring different experience to you. That's the only way you can achieve growth. Mm. And and there there is a in friendship there is a um, expiration date on friendship. You think so? Absolutely, absolutely. Why? Because people go through different levels. That you ever met a girlfriend that you probably know in in high school that you were together like this and that was your bestie yeah. and then and then you see her now in your older age and you're like oh god we used to hang to take and you take the number and you hang in and it just can't click. and it's different there are a rare few that it's it's as if you were hanging out yesterday and you haven't seen them for five years but you still lock but that that is a rare rare few. it is a rare few and yeah. if you even check those people mm. you're not with them every day no, exactly. You have so much time away. But right. Mm-hmm. So so it comes back and it feels good. But if you start hanging with them every day, you're going to realize you're so different. Because sure. because everything is about growth. You know what I mean? You didn't work this hard to stay the same. You know, people's no. like, oh, my God, he's changed. Of course I've changed. I've worked really hard to fucking change. I don't want to yeah. be... I don't want to be in the same cycle. To grow and be better every day. Exactly. I'm, yeah. I'm a work in progress every single day of my life. Mm-hmm. And I try myself to be a better person. I have huge issues that I work through mm-hmm. on a daily basis. You know, I'm I'm I have to work on my patience. I got to work on a whole oh bunch God, of shit. Yeah, you know? I'm the same. I'm not. Uh, as, I'm not as patient as I wish. I'm I was. not. I'm not patient at all. I it's mean, important, you know, I am, but it's really I'm, hard. <laughs> and I got to learn to not tell people to fuck off because <laughs> I am. Because I am. But some a, people, some people need to be told to fuck off. I, I, you're right. You know? You're right. So it's just about right. deciphering who who is that person well, and who isn't that person. You know how I, this is how life is. It's about it's it's a value system. Mm. You will put up with as much bullshit, right? Depending on the value of the person that gives you the bullshit. Yep. And at the end of the day, if if somebody is giving you, nobody's hundred percent. So mm-hmm. if somebody, if you're at seventy five percent with somebody, you're winning. If you're over fifty percent with anybody, you're winning. Under fifty percent, you need to get the fuck out of my life. Shaggy, this is my happiness you know scale. Absolutely, I have so, a scale from one to ten, and if it's over five, I'll consider it. If it's under, I yeah. won't. And this is exactly that. That's very true. Because very no, smart. The hundred percent that you think exists does not exist in abs- in anything in anything. You know, what I mean, no, you, I agree. With you know, that. there's you are you're a complex person, and so there's no one person that is going to fulfill all of that. You know, and there's no one person that you're going to you're going to have somebody like or oh, 25 of him percent of him. I don't fuck with, you know, I can't take this part of it. But the rest of him is an amazing person or she's an amazing person, whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Right. But and then you will put up with the amount of shit, you know, that they give you. Maybe the person is this, you know, don't remember your birthday. Don't this whatever the, the thing. OK, I could put up with that because they bring me that. You know, it's like I'll have people here that that 
you know, I make great music with and shit, but they're always late and always this. And all <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but you deal with that because you love the other bit of them. I'll, put, I'll deal with that because we make hits. <laughs> so what if somebody is like really an asshole, but they are super talented? Would you deal with that? Absolutely. Really? Because the end, the end result is great. It's the value of the asshole, you know. Now every every oh there's always there's always a straw that breaks the camel back. Yeah, so I can deal with that. I think only, I'd have to say you only, need to go away. Well, there's only so much <laughs> asshole that you could deal with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, If, if it exactly. gets to a point where it starts to make you feel uh, less of a person and it mm. starts to affect um, your uh, confidence, you know, and who you are, then you're gonna have to get rid of that because then. The value just it's just negative. Again. It's just toxic. Well, yeah, the, the value yeah. shifts shifts again. You know, what I mean, then 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 the value is value of hits is not outweighing his value of asshole. The asshole is outweighing the hits. Do you get what I'm saying? So yeah. there's a level of it. And you have to look at what the hit is actually going to bring to your life. Everything is about that. I have put a record out recently. <laughs> says, "Use me or I have no use." At the end of the day, nobody wants to be useless. No one does. You know what I mean? No. So use me or I have no use. If you're, if you are not, if you're, if somebody's in your life and they're not bringing, they're not stimulating you uh, musically, physically, um, mentally, sexually, financially, uh, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they got to have all of it, but you got to have the majority to be fucking with me. So. You know, there's the people that you're surrounded with kind of, I mean, the people that you're surrounded with for the most part, for like 90% of your time, that that could be your wife, your kids, your manager, whoever. Um, that affects your personality. It does. I know that you, I think, I don't know whether it was last year or the year before, you got rid of your record company and your management and you just, you nixed like five people. Yeah. Um, was that? A decision because of a, was that like a life decision or a business decision? Well, they nicked themselves. They did. <laughs> it's 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 like I said, it's the straw that breaks the camel back, and their value. You analyzed was so, their value, and you said, exactly. "Do you know what? No." Yeah, their value was so big to me because it was mm. years in service. They were, these are guys that, matter of fact, one of the guys was a guy that I've made almost all my hit records with. Oh, really? And, that must um, have been really hard to move forward without. Yeah, but that it person. got to a point because people, after a while, will. Will will have a certain um, entitlement. Yeah, and entitlement will come because of time of service that they feel they're equal to you, but they're not equal. We could operate as equal, but we're not equal. Well, everyone has a different job, right? Yeah, and and it will get to a point where you just can't you can't create that magic anymore because you are not. It the time has expired, like like you exactly. said before, right? It, right. And it's it's difficult because it's so many years, and it, it this one ended bitter. Oh gosh, which, which is sad. That's why I that's think sad. that's why I think you should. I'm a little bit changed. You should nip it in the bud before it gets to that situation, so that you could have some sort of a civil relationship, a nice relationship from that point on. It's know? really difficult to make these decisions, especially when you kind of love somebody as because, a friend. Because it's uncomfortable. Yes, like it's I said, that there, you can't have feeling. growth. You can't have yeah. growth without being in that uncomfortable situation and having these uncomfortable conversations. How they do you do it? How how have you become comfortable with making those very, very difficult decisions? I'm still not comfortable. I, that's part of the things that I work on. Okay. And I'm saying I work on trying to do it. It makes it easier when you don't have people that you've been with. Like, for instance, the people that I that I know in my life that I've, I've been there for longer, 
yeah. are the people that I have the hardest conversations with. The new people in my life, I don't mind having a conversation. I'm like, you haven't been this journey and you you ain't me. Fuck you. This is what <laughs> I want. And you have that conversation straight. Right. But if the person has been in your life for a long time and they have this really, you have this really emotional attachment to them, it becomes yeah. harder. And it's so sad. Be- and it might get to a point where they're not really doing what they're supposed to. They're not bringing the value. And and you have to make those harsh decisions, you mm. know, because then now you've got little babies to look up. I got I'm 52 years old. I got to look yeah, at my future, you've got your my kids, kids and, mm. and, and, and life. I got I'm like, OK, this is not a decision I'm making for you or me at this point. I'm making it for what we're doing here. You Does know? that make it easier having the kids there to kind no, of it doesn't make it, it doesn't. easier, but it, oh. it but it certainly gives a purpose. Right. You know what I mean, it you it makes you understand the purpose why you're doing it, yeah. but but the act of doing it still doesn't be, doesn't come. You're still gonna have those emotions. They're still gonna mm. be really fucked up. It's you're still gonna go through a level of depression. You're still gonna go through all of this shit, and you have to find your inner strength and and get past that and be able to pull yourself out of it. Oh, absolutely. That's it's you know and but you know if you're a fighter, you yeah. won't do it. You know and. You got to know what it is. I I learned long that I was the underdog and I got an opportunity to change the cycle of my family's life. And I could not form food because I was chosen. Right. You know, this gift I have. With much given, much required. Exactly. All of that melodies and all these things that I come up so easily. And and, and this, this thing that I have was given to me for a purpose. And if I don't make good on it, then it will be taken away from me. And I've always felt like. Yeah. You know? So I have I I'm an overachiever on that sense that I never stop even when the odds are against me. I have never been the guy that record company is going to put money behind. It, it never every rec, every deal I've I've been dropped from every label. I've been I've been a hit on every label I've, I've been on, including mm-hmm. independent ones. I've been in a bidding war on almost every label that, that I'd ever. And I know they only bid for me because I had a hot record and they chased it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then they paid a shitload of money and then that's that's that. And then my record always does more. So I've never owed them. So the, the, the thing is that when you recoup, it's a bad that's thing. Nice. It's a bad thing when you recoup. When you it, recoup? Why? How? Because of I the wish, fact. I wish I could recoup. But the thing is that if you recoup, <laughs> If you recoup, then they won't have to spend money on you anymore because uh, your records, it's it will always just keep. Because it's already done the job. It's already done. They made their right, money right. back. So anything you're getting is just bonus. And it was like, okay, we're finished with Josh now. We're going to move on to the next shit. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But if you take a shitload of money from them, mm-hmm. they're now shitloads of advance. That's what advances are for. You take a shitload of money from them. They're now, it's like you buy a, a shirt and that shirt is, you know, you paid thousand dollars for the fucking shirt you're gonna make sure nobody throws coffee on it that is a very good point but if it's a fifty dollar shirt you don't give a fuck who throws shit on it you know what i'm saying <laughs> you gotta be that thousand dollar shirt i wish we had more time i want to talk to you about your relationships and and your kids and stuff more we have to have you on again you have well, many many good. gems many many gems many, of many gems i am lucky yeah. People should look at musicians and music. Josh, you should look at what you do, that you have the best job in the world. You yeah. have the greatest fucking job in the world. Let's call a musician. Giving people good feeling, hey? Mm-hmm. That's the job. It's That's how I see job. it. It's an amazing job. It's yeah. the greatest job in the world. It's a pretty good one. Yeah. Thank you so much, Shaggy. All right, Josh. Thank you, my darling. All the best. <laughs>